change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. I'm your host, Joshua Seth, and this episode's guest is Stephanie Nadalny. Stephanie is an American vocalist, songwriter, and voice actress with well over 33 years of voice acting experience with voice roles in television series, films, commercials, radio spots, anime dubbing, TV specials, and video games. She's most known for her English dubbing role as the child version of Goku, the protagonist of the Dragon Ball series, and the child version of Goku's son, Gohan, in Dragon Ball Z. She reprised both roles in various Dragon Ball-related video games and media, and currently appears at pop culture events and Comic-Con stores all over the USA. She enjoys mingling with her fans and inspiring young performers who want to pursue a professional career in music and voice performance, so please welcome to the show, Stephanie. Hey, everyone. Oh, wow. we got applause and everything. Hi, Stephanie. Long time no hey, see. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? Awesome. Great, great. We just saw each other at uh, at one of the Comic Cons that we were both signing at. I don't even remember where it was. Where were we? Denver, Colorado. Denver. That's right. Yeah. We did two yeah, this year. Denver. We've done two together this year, I think. In fact, yes. didn't we, we meet? One. We meet. Oh, we have another coming up too. It's so perfect. You're the perfect guest to kick things off with because we keep crossing paths. Oh, well, when we spend it at time, you know, we take this thing, you know, it's good to be busy after. After the pandemic, years, right? yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm thinking yeah. we met years ago at a Comic Con, didn't we? Was it in it, in Australia? Australia. That's right. It was. What, any idea when that was? 2004. Wow, a lifetime I went to, I went ago. Back to my, in my brain and in my memories, and kind of looked back at a few pictures from way back, and it yes, it was a while back. That's. Wow, almost 20 I, years. Well, I had more hair back then, but you still look the same. No, thank you. I, I thank you very much. So, yeah. So that's when we met. We were both guests at that event. We didn't hang out much, is the thing. We had, you know, we were in different we're, spots, but I do remember we all went out one night for dinner and went roaming yes. around. Oh, city. yeah. It's fantastic to have been able to travel the world and, and meet fans and have these kinds of experiences. That's the one where I think I did a, a TV special for the superheroes. Oh, it, it was the other one in, in New Zealand. It was the superheroes versus the Kiwi kids. And a bunch of us voice actors were pitted against kids, local kids from New Zealand for a variety of okay. adventures. Uh, that, right. But it was the same tour that that happened. It on. was. But, we linked them together. They, they mm -hmm. Australia. New Zealand contact linked them together, and I believe we went from uh, Sydney or somewhere around there, and then we ended up in Wellington, uh, Wellington, New Zealand. It was beautiful. Oh, I love it? Wellington. Yeah, I would have liked to escape there during the pandemic. That would that would have been a good spot to ride it out. A good place to be trapped. Right. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> but enough about that. Let's get let's get uh, to it with the show here because I only know you really in the context of you know Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. They're such huge cultural forces just like digimon pokemon and all this these first wave of anime where we all sort of came to uh, the fore in this cultural movement as it were but i know that you're also a singer i know that you have you know a whole origin story and i'm curious to hear that as we get started here like how did you get started in show business what kicked it off for you uh you know 
I, I knew some, as a child, I knew that I was, I mean, I definitely enjoyed singing, utilizing my voice, whether it be mimicking cartoon characters. I even went so far as to mimic my friends, my babysitter, the people around me. Um, my, I was actually, actually obsessed with recording when, when I, when that concept came about and I was given a microphone, my father was recording us on eight track when we were like two, three, four years old. And I remember once I had that microphone in my hand, it was really hard to get it out of my hand <laughs> and to get me to be quiet and go to bed. Same, so I yeah, same, same here. Right? We have this yeah. in common. That's why I think this will be a really fun interview, um, especially hopefully for the viewers and the listeners. Um, so that's where I knew I had, I got, I had the bug. Um, and then also, um, even just even crying, talking in class, things that got me in trouble, uh, was my voice, but now it's my, it's my living and it's been my living now for, uh, it's well, since my first professional job utilizing my voice, which was, I think I was 18 or 19 and, um, I joined a show band, but, um, going back, you know, I just knew as a kid, um, that I wanted to be an entertainer using my voice in some form or fashion. And so as I got older, you know, I, I ended up somehow with a cassette player with, with a recorder that you, you know, you carry around with you that's battery operated. And I remember utilizing that I would play the piano, I would sing, I would write songs and poetry and record everything on these, these cassette tapes. And as I got older, I started, um, putting together my own I guess you could say interviews shows kind of like what we're doing, but like on a cassette and I would bring my friends in and we had to make these shows and sing a theme song, you know, and write something silly. And, um, oftentimes it was comedic and it was silly and, you know, care utilizing character voices that I either was referencing from somebody I knew in the family or a friend or a teacher, or it was just a completely made up voice. Um, that how, I how old do you think you were when you started doing those sorts of things? Uh, seven, same, I might, man, it's, there's so many of us that have a similar trajectory in terms of how we, we manifested our proclivity toward vocalization or, or wanted to talk or wanted to sing. You were obviously already singing before that started. Yeah. Did you, were you taking formal piano and, and singing classes or in church or something? How did that begin? Um, I just, I was just literally doing it. Like I, that's my first memories are not, not just talking, but they're of, they, a lot of it involves music. Um, my, my father and my mother were both music lovers. They weren't musicians, but they were music lovers. And so there was always music. We always had a stereo. We didn't have much then, but we did always thankfully have a stereo and that sounded good. And, um, I remember growing up and running around with my, with my dad and he was a big, music or disco music and which I fell in love with disco music as a kid. And, um, I remember he had a cassette player in his car and that was a really big deal to have a cassette player in your car at that time. And so we, uh, we would play disco and of course we had albums. And so for, for the young, for the younger uh, viewers and listeners, that's a big deal because it would have been eight track, I assume before right. then it was eight track then cassette. Right. And then at home we had albums and mm -hmm. records, vinyl. So uh, were you then fast forward a little bit. Were you a, a singer before you were a voice actress or what came first? Yes. yes. The chicken or the egg. <laughs> right. It was the, um, the, the, the singing. Absolutely. I mean, that was my first love, my first passion. And, um, I would literally like spend 
any and all free time um, listening to music, singing along with the music. I went so far as to uh, memorize albums, my favorite albums from start to finish. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, worked a lot. My mom both and dad both worked really hard to, to raise us and make sure that we, you know, had our essential needs and all of that. And they split uh, when I was six and then things were kind of crazy and we were kind of always moving around and, and, and adapting, you know, and so what I would do to deal with life and have my, my own escape uh, from anything and everything going on around that was, you know, chaotic was music and listening to these records, singing for my friends, um, getting on the merry-go-round and putting on concerts. It's just what I did. I mean, I just, it was just, I just figured that's what every, every kid did. And I figured every, every kid could, you know, mimic and, and, and come up with these voices and do them well. I just, you know, cause that's mm -hmm. just what all I knew. So, uh, sure. but I was constantly listening back and perfecting these voices and, and my ear was just tuned to, you know, music sounds, vocalizations. Um, and so I was training my ear at such a, you know, then my beginner years and, and I, you know, we draw from that experience, you know, so for my life resume, you know, it started as a child. And um, so that, but the, but the singing, you know, definitely, I, I wanted to do it as a kid. I wanted to get right into it. I wanted to audition for commercials. I wanted to um, go to, at the time it was like, all we knew, you know, from my little small towns I had been living in was, Hey, you go to California for that. Right. Or you go to New York for that. So I would beg my mom and, and my parents to take me there and to, uh, I saw, you know, I saw kids acting and performing and singing on TV. So why couldn't I, you know, I wanted that opportunity, but that unfortunately wasn't the case that we weren't able, you know, we weren't, I wasn't able to do that, but I was to, I did do and dive into whatever I could bite into, which was talent shows, drill team, pom-pom, um, theater. Uh, I did a, I, I did a, a thing called forensics. It wasn't what it sounds like, but it was, um, improv and, uh, we did, in our school, we did competitions and things like that. And then even in my Spanish class, when I was learning Spanish, we would um, enter these contests where we could sing in Spanish and then also therefore, you know, receive rewards for, you know, for that or medals or, you know, accolades. I don't know. Um, but I, I was just all about that. And then what ended up becoming my, my love and passion as I got older was singing, dancing, acting at the same time, which was musical theater. And then I just played piano by ear and then eventually Took lessons. That makes once. sense. That and that's the same for me. Was musical theater. Did you have a big break in the industry then after you showed all of this talent and all this interest in this area? Was was there one key moment that sort of put it all together for you and made you realize you could do this as a profession? Um, yes. When I was in school, you know, we would do, you know, performances and, and um, recitals. And I mean, I remember taking ballet and tap and baton lessons. And I mean, I, I, I was just kind of doing it all and at any time that was allowed. And, and anytime something would be going on in school or in the, in the, in the city I was growing up in, or in the community theater, I would ask my, you know, mainly my mom, I was extremely close to my mother, um, rest in peace, my mama. And, um, she would take me to, uh, rehearsals for, you know, plays and musicals. And, um, you know, like I said, we moved around a lot, so I would just get involved in anything and everything that I possibly could. And, and sometimes I did, um, 
like, well, let me just, I'm kind of like rambling here. Um, let's fast forward. So what, what ended up happening for, that started my career as a professional vocalist was I was in college at UNT and the University of North Texas, and I was majoring in drama. I really wanted to learn how to be a serious actor. I had never really gotten a hold of those chops. They didn't necessarily come naturally for me. What did come naturally for me was the singing and the dancing and the acting and the, you know, the cheesy, um, over the top musical she, theater. Oh, she, you know, just, she's making faces on a podcast, by the way, listeners. She's doing the little oh, short okay. example, pointing to her cheek and it's smiling audio, right? thing. Yeah, that's oh, I audio. It was audio video. Yeah. My bad. Uh, here I am performing on a, then nobody can see me. They don't understand what's going on. Okay. So, uh, I, my first big break we could say is when I was in college, I was, uh, I had, uh, been involved in the drama and the, the theater and the, the choir and the, the big group choir. And I took some jazz and, um, musical theory and things like that. Well, I ended up meeting, um, a guy in a fraternity cause I was a little sister for a fraternity and he was a guitar player and he's like oh my gosh we have this band we need a singer we need a girl singer why don't you come and sing for us and see what you know what we think and so i went and auditioned for them got the job we put together a band we rehearsed for about six or seven months and then a, a neighbor across the street heard my voice through the window and asked me to audition for his band which was already up and going and their um um uh, manager asked me to audition for vince vance and the valiants featuring the vivacious vixens of rock and roll venus that's and great <laughs> right and so I, I, of course, showed up for that audition and I was very green. Uh, I hadn't traveled or, or performed in a live band like that, you know, other than sitting in with bands and things like that growing up. And um, and I got the job and I was literally like on the road within like a week. And so um, I went. How, how old were in. you then, would you say? 19. Yeah, 19. And um, that was a really good experience. It was crazy, though. It was like um, a whirlwind. We were performing anywhere it all over the united states um we were traveling in shuttle vans regular vans flying sleeping on the airport floor then eventually we got a tour bus L living the dream as they say yeah no that the was glamour cool. of got, show business because <laughs> that's the truth right. is sleeping on an airport floor yeah sometimes we'd have hotel rooms we couldn't even check into because there wasn't enough time to go and check mm -hmm. in because we had a full uh, eight or nine member show band, three girl singers. We did costumes, skits, uh, comedy. Um, and we did a history rock and roll review of the fifties to the nineties. And, um, we, you know, it was R and B soul jazz Motown, mostly pop, mostly, you know, all cover music, but mm -hmm. Vince Vance, who is still around to this day, celebrated his 50th anniversary last September. So the band, you know, originated in 1971 in new orleans and he's you're not with it anymore though i take it that would be tough uh, to do no, a career in voiceovers no, and be no. on tour no i mean not any i don't I, I i ended up uh performing with him um for 20 plus years never went back to college i thought i would graduate but i was i was i was hooked i was i had the bug and i was not oh wow leave. so you actually dropped out of college in order to go on tour well wait now then how did yeah. you end up in voiceovers so right, you, you left college, you go on tour with Vince, uh -huh. was it Vince Van? Vince and, Van. And Vince Van, Van, yeah. And, we all had V names. And, and, uh, then, what, and then what was the opportunity that led you to voiceovers? 
Um, that that's where I was getting. So Vince Vance and the Valiants performed all over the United States, but they also performed locally here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And we opened up with and shared the stage with other groups in the region, namely Brave Combo, which is a Gram, Grammy Award winning polka band. And they they're still they're still rocking it. Uh I guess I don't know where what year they're on. Probably close to forty or 50, forty or fifty years now as well. Um, they they definitely started out in the seventies. I I actually was sitting in with them um, at the Vince Fant shows where we would you know play for like Munster Fest or um, Oktoberfest. You know I, I can't remember the name of some of these um, festivals that we would share the stage. You know we we either open up for them or they'd open up for us or we'd be on the same roster for the day or the same weekend. Well, I started sitting in with them. I got to know the the band leader. He um, liked my voice. He said, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's write some songs. Let me let's. I've already written some. Your voice might be." the perfect voice I've been thinking of for these songs. So we went into the studio and we cut an album and we worked on this in like 96, 97. And as I was working with him, he had contacts and I had contacts with the producer of Dragon Ball Z at the time, which I had no idea at the time, but there we go. He was at one of the sessions where I was singing backgrounds for a, a project called Cyborgs and Brave Combo was hired to do the music. So that's where I met the producer. He, uh, heard something in my voice that sounded like, Hey, do you do voiceovers? I said, I do voices for fun. I do character voices for fun, exchange information, got the audition about not quite a year later. I went into audition for, uh, Funimation and was cast as Gohan. I actually didn't know anything about anime. Didn't know what I was auditioning for other than that it was an animated, uh, show of some kind. Around um, what year would you say that was? That was 1998. So no, um, wow, that's even earlier than me with Digimon. Although I was doing other anime, but nobody oh, okay. knew what anime was in America really at the time. This was, as I said earlier, the very first wave. So of course you didn't know because it wasn't like there was no. an anime block. Was there was no YouTube to look it up either. No, no, and 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 like I said, it does have a different origin story. For me, uh, I wasn't given any you know, don't uh, mimic this voice or sound like this or look like, you know, none of that was, was handed, handed to me for whatever reason. So when I went in, I auditioned for what I thought, you know, were, well, they're going to want me to audition for female roles. Right. So I auditioned for three or four of the prominent characters that were females and, you know, delivered uh, dis distinctly different voices. But when the, uh, the direct, there was a director in there, Barry Watson, who had been recording the show in, at the ocean dub in Vancouver, Canada, said, can you give us a young boy voice? And that, that Kid was completely voices, yeah. And I just gave them what I thought sounded like a little boy. They said, hey, how about a little bit more grit, a little more raspy sound to it? I gave them that. And not not even a week later, I got a, a, a voicemail on my answering machine back in the day. And I was given the role of Gohan. And I was all excited about starting something new where I could utilize these voices I've been practicing with my whole life, you know, and, and for, um, for people, channeling a little boy. for people that don't know Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, can you do that voice for us now? My first voice was go on donor, my dad. He's uh, like that. And a lot of reactions. They ended up calling me the reactorist because I just could nail all these different reactions that had to be, you know, different and unique, yeah. you know, open mouth scream or open mouth, closed mouth, you know, landing exertion. There was all kinds of those. Uh, like my, for my a video was, game. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just in the, Whoa. Which uh. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all kinds of. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've done entire sessions like that for video games. That's it. No no lines, just reactions. (laughs) But you you got a whole series out of it. And the other? It was it was great to um, be able to channel the little boy voice, little boy I could never be. I love children. I had a you know three growing up. I had two step brothers and an older brother um, that were in and out of town, switching between you know step parents and whatnot. But I you know I definitely had lots of um, you know inspirations for you know growing up, uh, moving around, and just all kinds of wacky voices that I could you know, I could draw from. I had relatives in Rhode Island, you know, ah, Stephanie, oh yeah, you know, and I had like all these other kinds of, you know, I was just basically a mimic. I mean, I would, I mean, I was my mom would would tease me and say, "You just record everything in your brain, and you just say it right back. You're like a parrot." And you know, my brother would tease me about you know having a good memory, so I would like channel all of these voices from years ago. He's like, "How did you remember that voice?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It just came natural for me." It's kind of like the. It's kind of like the advice that people give to writers to write what you know. You voiced what you knew from people in your life. You and I had a lot you of weren't, different. You weren't mimicking right. famous people. You were mimicking people in your own life that you knew. Personally. In my own life, my aunts mm-hmm. and uncles, my you know my my aunt my aunts and uncles from the deep south down there in Memphis, Tennessee. You know, I mean, I could <laughs> I could just pull that out. In fact, I would actually visit relatives in other cities and states and things like that. I'd come home and I would be talking like them naturally. I would I would have their natural draw or I would use certain words, you know, a certain way. And people around me are like, you sound like your 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 aunt and uncle. You sound like I know, oh yeah, yeah. I just kind of pick up on that. So I moved around a lot. So I, I kind of have my own voice now, obviously, but um I, you know that's kind of how that the whole my whole career in voice acting began was 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 in ni- early 1999 we started recording dragon ball z from there you know the studio was small we had a small uh, close-knit group of talent um and we played a lot of different uh, characters in the background lots of you know bit parts women screaming babies crying eventually got cast as baby um uh, baby trunks uh, just a baby voice, mm-hmm. um, screaming, laughing, crying. I, I did whatever. a whole movie where my only role was that. It was called the the crying yeah. chi- the crying child with Muriel Hemingway, and all I did was cry, the whole oh, the yeah? whole movie. Yeah, I, 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 fans ask me why I cried so much in those episodes, and I'm like, uh, well, that's what was written. I followed the script, right. you know. Just, yeah, I didn't choose. It's a to it's cry a weird much. profession where you could go in and just cry all day, and that's your job. Right. And then uh, the cool thing was with Carl Finch of Brave Combo and me working in that same realm with the same company, I was able to uh, work on anime themes and I was cast to be to sing some of these amazing uh, Japanese themes that we uh, trained, you know, changed into English. The lyrics Mm -hmm. were changed into English and then Carl and I would sit down and put them together lyrically to make them make sense and convey the same message in English, which was a whole new a whole new experience for me. I was able to kind of utilize my, you know, writing skills and my lyric, you know, musical skills mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to work with another person and, and, and on a creative project. And then from there, I was cast in, uh, let's see, I had my first anime theme I did was called Sayonara Bye Bye. And it was um, featured in Yu Yu Hakusho. I also uh, was able to sing the opening and closing themes for Kitty Grade. Um, and uh, I did some, 
work on Blue Gender and the, I did some themes there. They did switch around a few of the voices. And then I also did one for Case Closed. So that was, a, that was like a dream come true for me because, you know, my first passion is singing and music and then being able to be behind the scenes, work on lyrics, work on songwriting chops, and then get to direct other singers was also a whole new experience for me. So, which I found to be quite rewarding. Uh, I would definitely consider doing something like that in the future. Um, I find that is, it's very common that voice actors start with singing, but it's a lot less common that we actually do get to sing in character or right. in these shows. This is the first that I'm talking to a voice actress that's actually sung in the theme, like a theme song for the show. Right. That's, that's oh, pretty I could do rare. that all day. And, and then I, that I brings your whole, your whole career full circle. You started with music and singing and musical mm -hmm. theater and bands and then did the yeah, voiceovers yeah. and then back to the singing and brought them, brought them both together. Now, having right. had that, that whole process take place and now having been in this business for decades, what advice would you give to someone else wanting to start out? Or is there uh -huh. something that you wish that you knew or had done differently with the oh, benefit right, of this right. time and experience that you now well, have? As we discussed, I wish we had moved to a place where I had opportunities to audition to be um, a child actor, actress, voice actor. Um, I've obviously, we, we, we only, we could only do the best with what we had at the time. There was not YouTube, internet, computer mm -hmm. type stuff. You know, there's none of that. There was, there's a I mean, lot more opportunity more. to do things from wherever you are now, but it is true that right. to at least some extent, always geography is destiny. It's going to inform what your opportunities are, who you interact with, what your influences are. But right. we do have, mm -hmm. we do have the internet now, which is how we're doing this. So yeah. We, right. I mean, I, I would have definitely, we I didn't have been, that I back then my room. I would have been doing that all day. I would have been um, writing songs, performing songs, trying to figure out how to get musicians to help me put it together, working on my piano chops, maybe uh, eventually accompanying myself. Um, my love of the singing, actually, uh, the singing and performing live uh, kind of got me away from the piano, but I got back into piano. So now I'm back into piano lessons with my uh, my best friend, bass player with my own band now, Moonglass. His name is Dan Bradford, and he also helps me with all of these technical things that I have not yet learned. Um, and I've also got a social media guy that's helping me with my TikTok. And so I'm utilizing what I can, but it's moving I, so fast. I hear you know, the you know TikTok is uh, quite popular with the young people. Yes, it yes, is. Both the tick and the talk. Both of them. Those very, very, very popular. Being, but honestly, being in the right place at the right time, already working in the industry, um, yeah. well, all of those luck. Things. Sure, luck is a good. Your your yeah. advice for the young people is be lucky. That's yes. That's always good. That's always helpful. Yeah. The right people that know. No, I that mean, but that, well, there's another piece of advice in there, which is to network and actually get out there and put yourself in front of people. Right, right. And practice, practice, listen back. Gosh, there's, you can record from your home. You can make your own demo reel from, from your home or and for very little money. If it's true. It is so much more accessible now than it ever was before. And auditions, you know, sometimes there's people putting, I think, auditions on Twitter now. It's like just random open calls. So I've absolutely seen that. Right. I don't know so, if they're all legitimate, <laughs> but right, some of I them know. certainly are. Working my way up, there was a lot of uh, scams and people say, hey, we're going to make you a star, come out to this audition, then they want you to sign up for this class. You know, I remember doing a lot of yeah. that in early years of college, late high school. I would audition for anything and everything, you know, really, truly, genuinely looking for my big break into the industry, mm -hmm. you know, whether because I, I mean, at that age, I wanted to be di uh, Disney. I wanted to to do kind of what Jodie Benson did with Little Mermaid, you know, to be the voice of the character and the singing voice of the character. 
on a big feature film like that. I mean, that's always been a dream of mine. It's on my bucket list. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would. Yeah. So I would just, you know, advise them to sink their teeth into whatever they can ask, ask people who are that they know in a realm of the industry that they uh, that are already doing it or they're on their way doing it. Um, you know, for me, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have somebody sending me auditions at that time. I mean, like sure. I said, well, I was, no, nobody does when they're starting. Right. That doesn't come yeah, first. And that's the thing is sometimes it's a, it's crazy because they're like, well, you have to have experience. And then some are like, well, you have to be SAG after. Well, you have to get, How do you get that? Yeah. eligible. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it can be a battle. I mean, some people walk mm -hmm. right into their first audition and they're just, they nail it. They're in the right place at the right time. They've got the great voice. They've got the great look. They've got the great sound and then they've got it. So I know that whenever I do have an opportunity or I do have a, a shot at an audition, I get right on it. I don't, I try not to delay because sometimes when they hear the voice they want on the other end of things, the client might say, Oh, that's it. That's it. And they might not listen to anyone else. We really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know the political dynamics of who's working there, who knows who, who's, you know, friends with who, who, you know what I mean? Like some people can get in to the industry and at least have a shot at it because they know somebody or they're related to somebody or they're related to somebody that knows somebody. I mean, I, you know what I mean? We could go on. But everybody on. can, I, what I hear you saying is put yourself out there, network, make connections. And then once you do get those opportunities, be quick about responding, be prompt. Don't put it off, make it a priority. And, and refine your skills. Even if you're, you know, you're working to make ends meet, um, doing something you don't love, um, you, you're still utilizing skills and learning about people in certain settings by taking whatever job you did, you know, waiting tables or. You Let's know get I mean? to like, that. Yeah. I want to talk about that. So in terms of refining skills, are there any specific tips or techniques that you can share with our audience about something they can do to improve their own voice? Cause this show is not just for people that want to be in voiceovers. It's really for anybody who wants to transform their communication skills, unlock their voice and become right. a better communicator on or off the mic. Uh -huh. Any, any tips or techniques I, you can share with them? Right. For me personally, and I think it sounds like it was kind of the same for you is um, sitting down and, and, and recording yourself and listening back. And that, and then, like I said, all I, all I could do as a child was, you know, was my little cassette player with the blank cassettes and then listen to them. Mm -hmm. Now there's like more technology than I can. You even can do it on a up. phone now. Yeah. You can do listen to your own yeah, voice back, which is scary for a lot of people. Right. Um, but, but, but there's a safe environment there. You know, you've got, you can have your own computer, your own laptop. Some people do things on their phone, they get apps, they get, you know, there's just, there's more than, like I said, I can even think about right now. And so, I mean, I definitely wish we would have had more access to that. There's uh, a voice memo time. app that comes for free on every phone. Yeah. And you could just start by recording your own voice and getting comfortable with it. Like where you are right now. Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know what? That's not really what I thought I sounded like, or, you know, what do I need to do to tweak my voice to sound, you know, you know, is it something like back in your back of your throat? Is it a, is it a man? Is it a little girl? I mean, you know, you just have to listen back and, you know, what, where are you headed? Do you want to do radio? Do you want to be a narrator? Do you want to record audiobooks and, and, and drink coffee and sit in your pajamas all day? I mean, you know, it's like, get what, clear about your goals. Yeah. That's a good one too. Look at you full of advice. Some of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, there's even more than I can even come up with. I'm just kind of only drawing from my own personal experience. No, and you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm like, this is great no, advice actually. And it, it is, it's, it worth, it is worth repeating for people. Even, even some of these things people think, oh yeah, I know that uh, already, yeah, but do you do it? Do you actually put it into practice on a regular basis? Right. And then also having a good attitude, um, being 
being, you've got to find a way to be resilient. Cause if you get a no and a no and a no, and you're like, I suck, I'm never going to be, uh, you got to pull yourself out of that uh, because it's going to happen. It's more than likely going to happen to just about everybody. I mean, whether you make it really big in a profession that you love or not, mm -hmm. I mean, the emotional side of it. What, what I found that I what I did that I wish I wouldn't have done, but it's maybe some good advice is don't limit yourself. I would think, oh, well, I'm just in this small town. This is all I can do. This is all I've seen people do on TV. This is all I've seen people do in a movie. This is all I've seen my friends do. You know, I, and I found myself unable to bust through this, this lim these limits that I was actually setting on myself without even realizing it. And so once I got out and was performing and, and then I was meeting people and then going to other people's shows and supporting other musicians and, you know, then they would come hear me and I would come hear them and then, oh, hey, let's collaborate. Let's write a song or let, you know, we need background vocals or why don't you come lay down some vocals on this? And next thing you know, it's like, wow, I didn't think I could you know, do all this with, like I said, if you put yourself out there, you open up your aura, open it, be positive and and you know people and then also people will want to work with you if you have this infectious energy that they like being around you may you may i totally agree to people want to work with people they like right. to be around because you spend a lot of time working with others right. collaborating as you said so yeah to have problem. a good good positive attitude and be collaboratively minded in other words not a diva is important yes i that's not that's not I, what you said, exactly, because I work with a lot of people who are, and I don't know why some people just rub people the wrong way. And I know I've done the same without, you know, like I say, you don't mean to, but you just do, you know, people with bigger, these big personalities that are these creative types can really, you know, we're all, we're kind of all over the place and we, we, we can tend to make others feel um, that we are just simply out of control and then that therefore they feel, feel out of control and they feel like they either need to squash us or they need to just run away screaming. And I, that's what I've learned is that, you know, I've had to adapt to different situations as you have and anyone that, that is involved in, you know, our line of work where we're, we're self-employed. We, you know, we we're constantly in and out of situations where we're dealing with all kinds of different people with all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, and one thing that I know that I wish I wouldn't have done and I'm not doing anymore is suppressing my energy to be able to feel like I'm being accepted in a room of people or, hmm. or a new school or a new. You feel you used to do um, that was you would like minimize oh, yeah. yourself I, I to like be I accepted. Said, oh yes. And being a, a new girl in a small town and, and kind of being, having this bigger than life uh, personality, um, hmm didn't go over very well, especially small towns, you know, coming in and I was like, Oh, I want to audition for the play. I want to be a singer. I want to, you know, be in the choir. I want to choreograph the next dance routine or, you know, that, that just, just, just didn't, didn't, was not, it was just not well received, especially by my peers. Um, so you, min so you minimized your output in order to not, I, I, people I kinda, think I you're showing think off or taking over exactly, the room, but of course exactly. that doesn't do yourself any favors. How'd you come get right. over that? Um, it took years and years and years. I mean, I still find myself feeling like I'm doing that. It's like a natural uh, defense mm -hmm. mechanism to, in order to, to feel like I am not going to rub someone wrong, uh, you know, which is, it's, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, obviously there's nothing you can do about what people think about you anyway. Right. It's, it's not, right. it's not healthy right. to give that. A lot of that's a projection energy. of whatever they're going through and whatever their expectations and experiences are. Anyway, right. it's just being reflected off of you. It's like when you're an empath, you just you pick up on these vibes that not everybody picks up on and it can be healthy and it can also uh, be unhealthy if you give too much energy to the negative and not enough to the positive or, you know. Accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. You know that? There you go. No, but I have Don't a fan mess already. with Mr. In-Between. That's a really old song. 
but it's still and good that's, advice. That's why I, I really like being around children. I love children. And I was able to teach uh, beginner piano and voice for a while. And I'm going to actually probably go back to that um, during COVID. I couldn't, couldn't really do that. I couldn't figure out a way to, to do that. But when I'm around kids and that want to go in the industry, I just want to be a positive force. I want to be uh, encouraging because I know when I first got into the industry, I wasn't encouraged very much in the band that I had joined. They, there was a lot of, um, I was kind of like the new girl in that band. And so I had to start all over. So I didn't, you know, really get any cool songs. I, I got all the costumes that were, you know, sequins falling off of them that were too big for me. Um, I was just so happy to be in a band though, mm -hmm. that it, you know, I dealt with it, but I, I, I made it a point to never do that or be that way around girls and, and singers that were coming in and out of the band, you know, for two So now days. you're giving back to, to students of voice and piano mm -hmm. and all your students now. a little. Yeah, and, yeah that's great. And, you know, and I, I've thought about some things I could do right now this year, I'm kind of focusing on my um, Comic-Con appearances, my comic book store appearances, getting in front of the fans, mingling yeah. with them. In fact, um, I was, that, that's yeah. where, that was my next question was, what are you doing now? What's next for you? What's coming up on the schedule? Right. Um, the, just that, just booking these conventions, whether I get on the phone and request, hey, do you have your lineup set up? Do you have room for another one? Or if they contact me, you know, whether it be, you know, an anime festival or a pop culture comic-con. Some of them are big, some of them are small. They're all over the United States. They're all over the world. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to get back overseas again. I loved it over there. I loved it. I did get to go to the UK and Australia again in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, there's, some, there's some other places I'd like to travel to if, you know, if, if that's a possibility. Maybe somebody will hear or see this and, and reach out. Right. I know I'd like to get back on the international circuit again too. The, the last... The last Comic-Con I did before the everything shut down in March of 2020, just maybe two months before, I think it was January of 2020, I was in Edinburgh, Scotland for an Akira-themed Comic-Con. That was amazing. Wow. I, I got to see where J.K. Rowling sat and wrote the cafe that she wrote Harry Potter wow. at and the castle on the hill that she was looking at when she conceived of Hogwarts. And I went up there and it, oh, it was just amazing. Yeah, it was a great experience. Oh yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really just grateful. I just wake up grateful that I was able to uh, do what I've already done and have the contacts and the, you know, the work that I have done so long ago is, is sustaining me for now, especially coming out of the uh, COVID when I couldn't work and we, we had to shut down all of our shows and our bands couldn't play and in person or anything. Um, so now I'm just book, I'm you know, trying to book my band again. Um, I'm auditioning a lot. Um, I just finally got back into the realm of this ginormous company that is now called Crunchyroll. So I'm uh, yeah. a bunch of character voices. For and they're summer. based, the, the recordings are based in Texas where you are, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. And the That's their main recording studio. Right down the road, actually, from where I'm at doing this interview, um, Dallas, Fort Worth, Irving, mm -hmm. Colorado, kind of like this uh, the, in the middle of everything, close to DFW Airport, um, which is another good thing. I'm close to an airport. You know, right. have will travel. Yeah. So, so this could be this, this 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 could be a great opportunity, and everybody's excited and and mm -hmm. curious to see what comes out of this new Crunchyroll. What was it? Funmation, Crunchyroll, Sony, right. I think. Right. All yes, of yes. these these big um, con conglomerates all coming together and creating this big new recording right. studio right down the road from where you live. Right. It's um, it's instead of one studio, two, three, like it was when I was working there years and years ago to having, you know, these cast parties and we were all kind of like buddying around together outside of you know recording. Now it's ginormous and there's more studios than I can even count. And there's people coming from other other 
markets and coming and they're being utilized. Their voices are being utilized. You know, people mm -hmm. from ADP and Suntai and uh, some companies in LA and New York, you know, more, probably more than I even can even think of. But um, lots so of names that people won't know. But yeah, it's a it's a it's the next evolution, the next wave of what's going to happen in anime right. and voice recording for that industry. So where, where's the ones that I actually mentored and, and encouraged, you know, 20 years ago. And now here they are, they're big, they're hitting the big time. And it's like, wow, look at the, you. This is awesome. <laughs> they, they grow up so fast, don't they? They do. But the, the, the fact that they remembered that is cool. So like I said, I mean, putting good energy out there and, and, and helping everybody else is always for me has helped myself because there's a lot of work out there and there's plenty out there for everybody. So it's not a competition, PayPal. It's like, you know. I totally agree. It can seem like it because one person gets each role, but there's so many roles and it's not a zero sum game. Like the pie just keeps getting bigger. So everybody right. can have a bite. That's now exactly right. If you look at it that way, rather than the other way, I think it's best for, for the universe, for the cosmos as a whole. I agree. Yeah. Where's the best place that people can find you as we're wrapping up here? How can they find you online or otherwise? I have a website now. Yay. Um, there were some delays, it's, but it, it's, yeah. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes. So stephanienadaldi.com, that'll be on the show notes. And I know uh, that you're on social media. We'll have all of your links there as well. What's your preferred platform? If people only follow you one place, where would you like that to be? Oh, the website should have everything. We're the adding... website's got it all? Okay. Yeah, and then, you know, TikTok, at stephanienadaldi is a good The new one. TikTok. Kind of cool. All right. Well, yeah, we'll have yeah. clips from this interview there as well. Know. It's been fantastic to catch up with you. And then, of course, we're going to see each other in person at a con. I don't know where it is or when, but... I think it's New Jersey. <laughs> In New, oh, the one in New Jersey. New Jersey. Right. What is it? Yeah, in July. Okay. It's, it's coming up quick. So thanks yeah. thanks again for this chat. You good? Yes. Thanks so much All for good? having me. Okay. So yeah, it was fantastic. And we're out. Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.